Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. We started it last week, a new lesson for our new space, Core Foundations. As we build uh, this new part of our community's life together, this lesson is to remind us of the foundations that we build on, the core foundations of our community and how we arrived at them, how we began building on them. So today, we're going to talk about the, true, the two truths that we affirm each week together. We just said them a minute ago. If you're here, you belong. We are, every one of us, carriers of divine breath. We are, every one of us, carriers of divine spirit. Uh, another way that we've said that second one in the past is that we're made of the same stuff God is made of. We don't know what God is made of. We can't even contain the thought, God really But whatever divine light is, whatever that divine spark is, whatever that more than the sum of the partsness is, it is in us. We carry it. We are carriers of divine light. So today, how we arrived at our two weekly affirmations. And as I talk today, be thinking about small glimpses that you've captured of the interior light, some interior nudge that you've sensed, some small epiphany. Uh, In the old religious language, we use the word quickening. I don't know if you are old enough or have been part of religion long enough to remember that word, but quickening was an internal pressure that emerged inside of us to speak differently or to act differently or to think differently, to draw from something that is deeper within us, something that is truer, something that is more whole. So be thinking as the lesson goes on, what has that experience been like for you? Try and put some texture to that. And the second part of the question will be, what could we do today? What could you do today that will make you more sensitive to the interior light tomorrow? Okay, so be thinking on those as the the lesson goes along. Both of the truths that we reaffirm week after week begin at the same starting point. There's a common thread. Get that? There is a common thread running through everyone, running through everything. Every rock and every tree, every cloud, every mountain, every mom and dad, every aunt, every grandchild, every saint, every sinner, every man, woman, every child carries that ineffable reality that we call the divine light. Our traditions, here's a big theological term you don't need to know, our tradition's cosmological myth, our meaning-making origin story. That's what scholars call the first story in the book of Genesis. It tells us that every one of us, as well as the earth and the sun, the stars and the moon, carries the essence of the divine. God spoke it all into being, the story goes. We are made of God words and God breath, which is the same word as God spirit. Whatever the ineffable, uncontainable, incomprehensible divine is, at the center of all being is where it is. Quarks and electrons and matter and energy and human beings and trees, it is in us, our story tells us. Also, we are made, every one of us, out of dust. Our story also tells us that. Dust that was spit out of collapsing stars, merged into inert compounds, reconfigured into more and more complexity until consciousness emerges, we are made of stardust. But also, We have saints and we have mystics, we have poets and we have philosophers who also affirm, having explored the interior side of life, that we are also more, more than the sum of our elemental parts. There is a spark, 
within human beings. In religion, we call it the divine spark. In not religion, we call it emergent complexity or better angels or bigger than ego part of ourselves. We're made of stardust. We're made of God dust. And that's why we say, if you are here, you belong. Because we all, every one of us, carry atoms and molecules and DNA and neurons, and we all, every one of us, carry inner light, deeper wisdom, a divine center. If you are here, you belong, is simply affirming that you, like every other one of us, carry the interior light. So, as a community, we have organized ourselves at Common Thread to help one another access that common thread that runs through all of us. So, of course, you belong, just like every other one of us belongs. Common Thread is an open invitation to work together to access the reality that we all carry within ourselves. The reality that is deeper than the ego version of self, deeper than the socially conditioned stories that we carry around in our heads and act from, deeper than our habituated thoughts, deeper than our defining wounds. You belong because like every other one of us, you carry the interior light. Now you don't belong at Common Thread because you assent to some list of approved doctrines. You don't belong at Common Thread because you conform to some accepted list of behaviors. Belonging here is a function of our defining essence. It is who we are. It is the epicenter of human being. If you're here, you belong. Now that said, we are fiercely protective of one another. And if your acceptable behavior list includes harming others, we will be talking. <laughs> but when we say, if you are here, you belong, we root that in the understanding that this common thread runs through every one of us. We are carriers of the inner divine. Stardust, God dust. Now, if you grew up in church, especially in American church, there's a very good chance that what I just said might raise some questions in your mind, some objections in your mind, because that is not what many Christians were taught. Listen, preacher man, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are not all carriers of the inner light. No, the only ones who are the carriers of the inner light are the ones who have prayed the sinner's prayer. You must have missed the story, preacher man, because when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke humanity and they extinguished the divine light in all of us. And now every human being does not carry the inner divine. No, every human being carries sin and death unless and until we pray the salvation prayer, unless and until we invite the Holy Spirit who was excised from us at the beginning back into our lives. Until we do that, total depravity, that's what we are carriers of, which is how many American Christians learned our core story. You might have, I did, but that's not how all Christians have learned our story. In particular, it is not how Eastern Orthodox Christians, it's not how they learn the, our origin story. When they learn it, they understand that the inner breath of God never leaves us. Sure, we sin, and sure, sin will block out, obscure the interior light that we all carry, but that inner light, it never leaves us. In fact, it is what animates our being lose the inner light, we stop being. You might have heard the phrase among old folks saying, giving up the ghost, which means dying. <laughs> giving up the ghost means that holy essence that we carry within us. When we die, it is gone and not until. It evacuates us. It leaves us. We give up 
the ghost. Well, that same understanding was true for the Celtic Christians. Sin is powerful, but it is not powerful enough to extinguish the light that we all carry. It's the same for contemplative Christians. All the way back to the third century and the desert fathers and mothers carried through our monastic traditions for centuries. Same with the Quakers. Same with the author of the Gospel of John. In 1.9, he says, Jesus showed us the true light, the light that shines in every human being that has come into the world. That's the core foundation of the Quaker movement here in our own nation. Now, I understand enough history, and I've actually done lessons on enough history to understand why most American Christians learned one story and did not learn the other. Uh, Rome was part of it, empire was part of it, the alignment of religion and power was part of it. You've heard me talk about that at other times. But the bottom line is that many Western Christians have an origin story in which you and I are not carriers of the inner light. We are not until we do X or until we pray Y. Now our tradition didn't start that way. Our earliest writers didn't tell the story that way. Someday Google the term patristic fathers and you'll hear, read a bunch of our authors. But here's the thing. Human endeavors devolve over time. Human endeavors devolve over time. They just do. Religion, no exception. Over years, over decades, over centuries, Religion tends to move away from moments in which we have a great awakening. We tend to move away from moments in which we have an epiphany, in which we are enlightened. And we move away from that because we are drawn toward conformity and control. We move away from these breathtaking moments of coming alive and seeing a new truth because we are consistently drawn toward conformity and control. And here's why. Human brains, you've got one, I've got one, our brains are wired to experience fear deeply. Our brains are wired to experience fear deeply. It's an evolutionary adaptation that kept us from being eaten by tigers, but absent tigers, it's often counterproductive. We experience fear deeply. In a religious context, we find ourselves fearing that God is angry at me because I did X or I failed to do Y. In a religious context, we fear that divine punishment is awaiting us. Suffering in this life because I've done that thing or suffering in the next life, hell and torment. And fear is a powerful force and every one of us carries it wired right into our brains. Consequently, it pulls us generation after generation after a generation away from spiritual awakening to conformity and control because conformity and control feel safe. Conformity and control, it is an illusion, but they feel safe. So if you've been around religion for any period of time, you've probably felt the pressure to conform. And the thing is, sometimes conformity is helpful, especially at first, especially early on in the journey. And the right kind of conformity can actually help us grow. It can help us modify our old behaviors and emerge into some better behaviors. And if those behaviors are moving us in a healthy direction, uh, we, can, we can feel like we're moving forward when we practice conformity. Also, when we practice conformity, it helps us feel like we are part of something that is bigger than ourselves because everybody is doing the same thing because everybody's practicing conformity together. We're all in this together. We're all moving in the same direction together. So there's comfort and a sense of safety being part of a group that is moving together uh, in, in a good direction. So often, when we experience conformity and control, our lives actually do improve and our behaviors are modified and they're modified in a good way. Again, especially helpful in the early stages of human development. But at some point, what once helped us begins to pinch, begins to constrain, begins to feel like shoes that are too small. Behavior modification, once life-giving, 
starts to be st starts to feel constraining. Instead of liberated, we begin to feel dominated. Sometimes so much so that we have to hide our authentic thoughts, our authentic selves in order to conform, in order to fit in, in order to belong. So for many people within religion, one way this happens is doubt. Doubts emerge. Do we really think that that's the case? Do we think that happened? What do doubts begin to emerge. Questions come up. Opinions that diverge from the group's opinions. And when our thoughts or when our doubts or when our concerns or questions don't conform to religion, we will often run directly into conformity. The pressure to think and act like others think and act. I've heard stories, I bet you have too, about people in the process of outgrowing that conformity stage of the spiritual journey, being subtly, sometimes, maybe even harshly other times, corralled back into the fold. And failing that, we'll pick up the message, okay, well I'm sorry, I guess you do not belong here. Many of us, when we started Common Thread, had been hurt by that dynamic. And so when we started this community, not that became a notable feature of our community. We found a cultural norm that allowed us breadth to question and doubt and wonder. We figured out along the way and started using this as a phrase that all truth is divine truth. Even truths don't fit with the religion that we were taught when we were growing up. Because if God is good, now again, we have no idea what God is, but if the essence of the divine is goodness, and if God were to have shoulders, those shoulders would be big enough to handle our non-conformist thoughts. So we do not have to edit ourselves in order to belong. We do not have to become inauthentic in order to belong. Because all truth... In the past, we've explored how scientific truth or psychological truth or emotional truth or religious truth or even religious truth from a religion different from our own. If the divine is good, we have broad permission to explore truth in whatever venue it comes. We have broad permission to wonder, to even doubt the story we grew up with, to seek truth even different than the truth we grew up with because whatever uncontainable reality God is, divine goodness makes us safe, affords us permission to explore broadly without fear and without the strategy that often helps us with our fear, conformity. The reverend guy doesn't have to control people doesn't have to tell people what they must believe, doesn't have to tell people the one and true truth and what it is. Instead, it becomes incumbent upon each of us to seek diligently, to listen carefully, and to tune ourselves to the divine rhythm. Now, just uh, some quick remarks in sympathy for religious leaders. Because not control and not conformity, whoa, people do some wild ass crazy stuff. <laughs> Harmful stuff, self-sabotaging stuff, falling into vice, dressing it up as a virtue, ruining our lives with it. We do that. Start down this path of listening for the interior voice, finding spirituality of direct encounter, not mediated by the institution, not mediated by the preacher, and we screw things up and we do it badly. We do. I have lots of experience seeing that happen. Because learning to access the interior divine is not easy. We've just not been taught to listen for the inner voice. So we're not very good at it. We hear some interior thing and we think, oh, that feels interior. That must be born of the interior divine when in fact it's really just a more cleverly disguised version of ego. And that happens. Sure it does. But even though that happens, we have to learn this. 
We have to learn, we have to make mistakes, we have to fail, we have to mess things up. Because the alternative is that we never learn to access the interior light that we all carry. We always live a spirituality that somebody else is telling us what God wants of us or what to do or how to live. We never emerge into the deeper self, the divine image self, the deepest part within divine center self. So you belong because the interior light is in you. That's so deeply freeing, isn't it? But it's also demanding. My son has a freedom-loving personality. He does not like to be pinned down to one option when other options might still be available. (laughs) So when he was young, we would talk a lot about how freedom and responsibility go together. They're a yin-yang pair. Freedom without responsibility isn't really free. The freedom of the spiritual life travels in tandem with a corresponding responsibility. If we are, every one of us, carriers of the interior light, the quest becomes an interior one. The quest to discern God within. Not an exterior affair, not conforming to secondhand sources, sounds so pretty. It sounds beautiful, really. But here's the thing. That's a lot more responsibility than people usually want to sign up for. An exterior authority in our lives can be quite comforting. An exterior authority in our lives, like an infallible pope who tells us what God really wants, or a preacher who tells us what the scriptures say about what God really wants, that can feel like a relief. And the spiritual journey does start there, and it's helpful to start there. But if it stays there, our spiritual lives are stillborn. Our journey takes us somewhere, and it takes us to the place where we learn to access the inner light that we all carry. Now, authority figures in our lives, very important. They are authority figures ostensibly because they are wise, but the voice is not theirs. The voice is within. Authority figures can help us recognize it, but it's not their voice. The scriptures, also important. The accumulated wisdom and experience of generations who have gone before us. But the voice is not scriptures. The voice is within. Scriptures can help us recognize the voice. But the voice you carry and I carry. Human reason, also important. Personal experience, also important. The community of faith, people that travel the journey with us, all of them very important. But... The voice is not theirs. The voice is within. And learning to access it, it is a messy process. And it is demanding. The freedom that we feel when we realize that we are not in a religion of conforming to the expectations of others, that freedom comes with the responsibility of learning how to discern, learning how to listen. Now again, a whole kaleidoscope of sources to help us, but those sources are not the inner voice. They are places that we go to help us listen to the inner voice because we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. I know from experience in our own community, in my own life, this is a stumble our way forward quest. It's a make make mistakes along the way quest. It's a quest of fits and starts and slips and falls. It is messy. But it's in a trajectory that moves with directionality to move to the place where we learn to discern the whispers of the interior voice. We default to command and control because the, we are frightened that that source would be an interior source because that just feels so demanding, so much responsibility. It is so much easier to defer to pope or preacher. 
as gifted and as profoundly wise, as spiritual and judicious, as learned and erudite as your preacher is. (laughs) It is not a quest to hear the word of God from another. It is a quest that takes on the responsibility and develops the skills to discern the voice within. It's a demanding truth that we affirm each week, so demanding that we have to work the circle. Siri recognized me. (laughs) It's so demanding that we have to take up these practices. You heard uh, Heather put it up there a minute ago, saw the, the circle yet again. We engage the communal practices and the contemplative practices and the learning and the serving practices because that's how we develop the skill sets that we need to be able to discern the inner light within. That's how we do not outsource our spiritual lives to some external uh, religious expert. Second hand faith is easier. Conformity and control is easier. God out there, outside of us is easier. Somebody telling us what God wants is easier. God in here is hard. So we do. We stumble. Halting, slipping, misstepping, forgetting, unconsciously outsourcing out of habit. But we do it in community. And we do that halting fits and starts together. We do it helping one another learn to sense the indwelling divine that each of us carries. We learn together to discern and to depend upon the interior voice. We learn together to give the indwelling spirit the place that it merits in our souls. And that is a core foundation of our community's life. It's a foundation on which we will build this next part of our life together. So today is an invitation to renew our commitments together to discerning the interior voice. Renew our commitments together to the practice of the circle that will help us do that. Elevate our quest for the inner experience of the divine and our priorities so that we both are able to discern the interior light ourselves and help one another do the same. Because we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. So may that be so in our lives, in our experience, and in our community. Amen. Well, if you would prepare your uh, offerings, we all give online. So you just open up your phone. You go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is at the top. Uh, we, uh, there are lots of options when you get there, lots of ways to give. Uh, and so if you're not here in Raleigh, if you're following us from uh, far away, we still invite you to take an ownership stake in the community. Uh, you've heard me say that it's going to cost us about $11,000 to do all the things that we need to do to uh, make this uh, really our home for the long term. I, you've heard me say that that works out to be about $150 per household above what we would normally give. And uh, you've also heard me say that some of us will do more and some of us will do less. But here's what I keep saying again and again and have been for years. There is always good return when we invest in spiritual community. Because we give our time to one another, we give our energy, we give our love, and we give our dollars. And what community does is this magical thing. We take those resources and we amplify them and we give them back to one another. Because this form, this thing that we do together, it enhances our lives, it creates the space in which we flourish and thrive and grow. So, remember what I say, we all donate on our website. Now in a minute, we're gonna dismiss you all on the live stream, and here in the room, we're going to do what are you thinking. So we hope you will join online as well. Uh, The link to the Zoom chat is on our website, it's on the front page, and the password, if you've hung in there this long, we'll just tell you what it is right now, it is 1417. 1417. You can head over there in just a minute when we dismiss you. It's a great way to connect. It's a great way to build community, even if you do live far away. Well, as we dismiss them, if you would, let's put our hands on our hearts and let's remember as we go, 
what preacher man has been saying all day today. <laughs> we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. The Holy Spirit is what it's often called in our religious tradition, where the fruit of that spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. Even on your most irritated day, they are in us because we carry the divine breath within us. So if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed. We are not dismissed.
We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you